Thursday, February the 11th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, impeachment trial draws gasps, and Biden and Xi talk at last. First, the world in brief. The second day of the impeachment trial in America's Senate drew gasps in the chamber as previously unseen footage from the riot of January 6th underscored the violence and its potential for worse. A mob that chanted, Hang Mike Pence, was shown within 30 metres of the then-Vice President. Prosecutors branded Donald Trump the inciter-in-chief, though his acquittal remains likely. Joe Biden and Xi Jinping finally got around to speaking, their first conversation since Mr Biden was elected in November. Hopes of a sudden thaw between the world's two superpowers look misplaced. The American president pressed his Chinese counterpart on human rights and economic practices, as well as China's aggression against its neighbours, particularly Taiwan. Mr. Biden announced that America will penalise military leaders in Myanmar who directed last week's coup. Mr. Biden said his administration will freeze assets that benefit the Burmese government and called for the release of political prisoners. Protests resumed in Bangkok, Thailand's capital, after four activists were remanded in custody for insulting the king last year. Under the country's Les Majesté law, anyone convicted of insulting the royal family can face up to 15 years in jail. Since last year, activists have been demanding the abolition of this law, as well as the Prime Minister's resignation and other constitutional changes. Jerome Powell warned that America's job market remains weak. The Federal Reserve chairman said the real unemployment rate is close to 10%. Official statistics put it at 6.3% in January. He signalled the Fed will not raise interest rates until the job market improves. Month-on-month inflation in America was just 0.3% in January, while Chinese inflation remained minus 0.3% year-on-year. The data calmed fears of an imminent surge in global inflation. The World Health Organization recommended the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine for all adults. The announcement helped assuage worries about the jab's efficacy among the over-65s and against a variant first found in South Africa. Meanwhile, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, acknowledged errors in the EU's vaccine strategy. The pace of its immunisation lags that of other countries. And Tianwen-1, a spacecraft sent by China, reached Mars a day after the United Arab Emirates' Al-Amal. The Chinese mission will orbit around the Red Planet before landing to study its surface and atmosphere. The two missions will be joined in Mars's orbit by America's Perseverance on February 18th. And now, here's today's agenda. South Africa, State of the Vaccination. The annual State of the Nation Address ceremony in South Africa is usually a glitzy affair, with red carpets and politicians dressed up to the nines. Today's, though, will be more sombre, and not just because most MPs will attend virtually. South Africa has been hit hard by the pandemic. Its excess deaths per person are higher than in any country in Western Europe. The discovery and spread of a new variant in the country is complicating an already troubled vaccine rollout. 
President Cyril Ramaphosa wants two-thirds of the country jabbed by the end of the year. So far, no one has been inoculated outside trials. On February 8th, the government postponed plans to begin using its first shipment of one million doses of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine because of worries about its efficacy on the new strain. Other potentially more effective jabs from Pfizer-BioNTech, Johnson & Johnson and perhaps Russian and Chinese sources are expected to arrive soon, but the country is playing catch-up. Shelling out a supermajor's green strategy Royal Dutch Shell, Europe's most valuable oil company, unveils its new strategy today. Supermajors have struggled over the past year as the pandemic depressed demand for oil. On February 4th, Shell announced an annual loss of $21.7 billion. But Ben van Buurden, the company's boss, says that a brighter future lies ahead as oil demand recovers and Shell backs more green energy projects. Indeed, on February 8th, the price of Brent crude, the international benchmark, topped $60 a barrel for the first time in over a year. But that was mainly owing to supply cuts rather than surging demand. Mr Van Buurden must now invest enough to protect Shell's core activity in oil and gas, thereby supporting the company's bottom line, while spending more on green ventures to vie against the utilities, developers and other oil giants already competing in clean energy. Expect today's presentation to offer new details on Shell's balancing act. A Pyrrhic victory? The Sino-American trade war. Of all the policy messes America's new president inherited, few apart from the pandemic are thornier than Sino-American trade ties. As Joe Biden devises his own strategy, he should learn from his predecessor's missteps. Donald Trump railed against China's trade surplus and, more justifiably, its unfair practices. But his response was blunt-edged, relying heavily on tariffs and targets. New analysis from the Peterson Institute for International Economics, an American think tank, shows how spectacularly it flopped. Last year, China's goods purchases under the limited trade deal the Trump administration signed in January fell 40% short of target. Worse, the report reckons American exports to China would have been almost 20% higher had they matched purchases from the wider world. Alas, the trade war intervened. The analysts conclude that Mr Trump's gung-ho approach distracted America from the subtler action it needs to take with allies to rebalance trade with China. Over to you, Joe. On all fronts, Iran's anniversary celebrations. Sometimes attack seems the best form of defence. Today is the 42nd anniversary of Iran's Islamic Revolution. Regime henchmen celebrated by parading ballistic missiles through the capital, Tehran. Their proxies in Yemen, the Houthis, struck an airport in Saudi Arabia just as the United Nations called for an end to the conflict. Relations between Iran and the West are increasingly frosty. Iran's intelligence minister recently overturned decades of official denials by warning that Iran could seek nuclear weapons. The UN's atomic agency reported that Iran is producing metallic uranium, which could be fashioned into a warhead. The patriotic crowds yesterday looked thin. The pandemic is partly responsible, but many Iranians also fear that their leader's uncompromising approach will dash hopes the new American president might relieve sanctions. 
Footage circulated on social media of activists burning billboards celebrating the revolution. The children of the Iranians who turned on the Shah in 1979 now direct their ire at his successors. Bouncing back stronger, corporate America. How much higher can the S&P 500 index of American shares rise? That is the question many investors, both professionals and amateurs, asked themselves this week as it reached yet another new high. In theory, with new COVID-19 cases still high and restrictions still in place, American firms should be bleeding. But in practice, many have emerged from the pandemic looking astonishingly healthy. Four-fifths of the big firms that have already reported their latest results beat projections. Their aggregate earnings in the three months to December surpassed estimates by over 17%. Three-quarters of chief executives surveyed by one trade publication expect revenues and profits to increase, compared with less than two-thirds in December. But there are still threats ahead. The vaccine rollout could stall, new coronavirus variants are worrisome, And if President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus does not pass through Congress, both investors and bosses will start to feel more jittery. Finally, here's the quote of the day from René Descartes, who died on this day in 1650. It is not enough to have a good mind. The main thing is to use it well. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.